Mr. Andy Brooks, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you in. I'm honored to be here, Jake. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's been a while since we caught up. I remember, I think it was last year, I was walking around my old neighborhood in Roland Park area, and you, you were walking around, but now that I'm, on, I'm living on campus and... Uh, it's just been a while since we've we've caught up. So what's been what's what's new with you? What's been keeping you busy? Well, <laughs> great question. Well, that's a good intro. Well, I guess the the thing that's been keeping me most busy is my new job, which is uh, effective July first. I'm the new president of the board of trustees of Gilman School, and uh, very honored and humbled to be in that role. So I've uh, been spending some time thinking about that, and you know, of course, the summer was a a good time to uh, recharge the batteries. I hope for you, and and certainly. Uh, for our family and so we had lots of fun and lots of things going on uh, but uh, all good and and nice to be here with you excellent so tell me a little bit about what that has been like stepping into that new role as the president of the board at, at Gilman School well you know uh, it's something you spend uh, Gilman's uh, very intentional as you would expect around uh, succession planning which is an important thing to do and so the year before I was the president-elect so I sort of had a year to shadow uh, Mark Fetting, who was the past board chair, and uh, and get my uh, feet on the ground a little bit. And, and uh, over the years, I've, I've done a, a number of things volunteering for Gilman, uh, but I certainly don't know everything and didn't know uh, some of the uh, subtleties and nuances around some of the different committee work that happens or things going on at the school. So I spent the last year trying to get up to speed on that. and. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, July 1st, you're really drinking from a fire hose. Um, you know, lots to do before the school year starts and, uh, and to get organized. But it's been a lot of fun so far, and, and people have been very supportive, and, and I'm hopeful they'll feel good about this in about three and a half years uh, when my <laughs> term ends in four. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. I've, I'm, I'm enjoying myself, and I hope, uh, you know, my party line is I hope to be my best self. Yeah, you know? I like and, that. Uh, and I, as I... So I sort of think about things, you know, if you can combine uh, some of the Gilman Five, in particular excellence with humility, you know, that would be a really nice combination, you know, to strive for excellence and, and be humble in doing it. And I'm, I'm hoping I can help the school do some of that. Awesome. Do some more of that because we do plenty. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> what... So what are some of the aspects, I guess, of your vision as the president of the board? Like, where, where do you see the school going in the next couple of years as, as you know, the school follows your lead with, with, the, with the board and Henry? Yeah, good question. So I, you know, I think it's important to uh, level set things a little bit. And I, I try not to get too carried away with, with uh, my strategic thinking, if you will. Um, I'm a, I hope I'm a, a good thinker, but I think there are so many smart people uh, involved with Gilman. And so you know, real great insight about the future. I think we can get that from a lot of others, not just from me. Um, and so what, how I translate that, if you will, is, you know, just every day trying to figure out how we can be a little better. Mm -hmm. And so it's incremental in nature. Um, and it, that's not to say that Gilman is a super tanker and you got to turn it slowly, but it, you know, it's a big complex organization and it does require patience and uh, thoughtfulness about, about change. Um, but I, I think that uh, so many things the school does today, every day, are done well, and they're well-intentioned. And, 
you know, I had a, I had the great opportunity. You were probably there, I hope, but I had a great opportunity to introduce myself to the faculty and staff in late August at a, yep, at I was a there. full at a full staff and, and faculty meeting, and I was just in awe of the of the energy and the commitment and the talent and the knowledge and the capabilities that were presented in that uh, Gilman Auditorium, the Alumni Auditorium. Uh, so I think the school is in very good shape and doing a lot of things really well. And on the margin, can we be better? Sure we can. Mm-hmm. You know, can we help the boys be the best, their best selves? Absolutely. So I think my goal is to try and uh, uh, be a good listener, to think about things, to be supportive, to make sure school leadership and, and faculty and staff have the resources they need to do the job, to be supportive of the kids, to be supportive of, of families, to be supportive of the broader Gilman community and the community at large. And, uh, and uh, again, if we, can, if we can identify some things that need some tweaking and some things that could be improved on, I think that's what we're going to go after. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so to step into a role like this, you were infused with a, a love for the school from a, from a young time, and you're obviously a graduate of Gilman School. I'd love to hear about your experience at Gilman as a student and really what made it so special to you that you know it's been such a, a key um, place in your life. Yeah, great. Well, I'll, I'll wander around with that a little bit and uh, see, see how I can answer your question. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people that would do anything that Gilman asked of me. Um, my experience was that uh, important to me, was that impactful. Um, you know, I came here in the sixth grade, sixth form lower school uh, back in the day when there wasn't a middle school. And uh, my older brother, my oldest brother, Steve, was a class of uh, 67. Um, and on the class of 74, we call ourselves the famous class of 74. I can tell you, I'll tell you that story later. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, my Gilman experience was just uh, really important to me and, and had a profound impact, I think, on shaping my character. And, you know, I had strong uh, family uh, upbringing and things. And, uh, but, my, you know, my father died when I was about five. He, he went to Gilman, um, did not graduate, but uh, went here. It would be the class of 1935. And, uh, you know, Mr. Finney was a pretty new headmaster at the time. And I, uh, you know, I sat right behind him in chapel every day. So, you know, he and Mr. Gamper would sit in the first two seats up on the upper right as you're looking at the stage. And then behind those two seats were three because it went two, three, four, five, and it would expand out like an accordion. And uh, I was in the middle seat of the second row. And so every morning he would turn around and say, good morning, Andy, and he'd squeeze my leg until I could die, you know, because he's got these huge <laughs> hands, big, strong guy. But but just a terrific influence uh, on all of us at the school. And, um, you know, my... My class, uh, you know, just wonderful guys. And I'm very close with, with all of them, everybody I see, and, and they've been lifelong friendships. And, um, you know, the faculty was great here when I was a kid and the experiences of playing. You know, I was a modest athlete. I played football and, and lacrosse. I was not a very good basketball player, played a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't play much at Gilman lacrosse, but I was the co-captain of my union college team and I, I played uh, I played every game uh, starting third game freshman year hmm. guy got hurt and I was a, I was a center midi and face-off guy and you know I stepped right in and and uh, you know that Gilman 
training and experience and, and coaching and stuff uh, was formative uh, for me. Um, but, you know, more importantly, I, I, just a, a sense of grounding that the school provided for me and I, I think my classmates has, uh, has helped me throughout my life, really. And um, so, so I, I've seen firsthand what a Gilman experience can be uh, for kids and for me, and, and I've, I hope that for others. Mm-hmm. You know, it won't be, won't be perfect. It wasn't perfect for me, but, boy, it was pretty, it was pretty darn good. Yeah, I teach I teach this leadership and character class here at Gilman. It's an English class, but it's a lot about like what types of things can we read and study, either historically or literary, that can uh, help us think about our character. And I, I've been thinking a lot about Gilman as a place and uh, kind of infusing the students here with character values. Um, and it seems like chapel and, you know, now we have assembly and we have advisory and we have different ways of interacting with the boys to boost their character. But I'm curious about how chapel and other aspects of the school, I guess, provided you with with character values that you took with you. Yeah. So, you know, the the chapel assembly experience, I think, is incredibly important. Uh, gosh, we had you know, whether it was senior speeches or people uh, coming from the outside, uh, educators, physicians, business leaders, uh, change agents. I mean, it's just amazing array of, of experience presented to you on the stage. And, um, you know, uh, Gilman, even then, Gilman had a realization, I think, that, that it was important to be outward-facing and to not only think, not to be insular. And so... Gilman had a commitment early on, uh, at least from where I sat and observed, of a, a commitment to the community and to the, and to the to the world, if you will, and and to make sure that that Gilman boys um, were not in some silo, but were made aware of others, other other ways of looking at things, other things to do, um, uh, that that people can live in different ways, uh, that people have different circumstances, that. You know, not everybody uh, can grow up on Longwood Road, which where I did. Now, not everybody has, uh, you know, uh, five siblings. Not everybody um, can uh, afford to go uh, do something in the summertime. Not everybody, um, you know, can buy lunch. You know, you bring it from home, whatever. And we, we had that full spectrum, and, and, the, and, then, and then it was also directed outwards. And, uh, gee, back, you know, we, uh, we had kids in school very involved in politics, political campaigns. You've probably heard about a guy named Mr. Schloter. His mm-hmm. son teaches in lower school. But Nick Schloter was a whirlwind in terms of political activity. And, you know, we volunteered on campaigns and knocked on doors and, you know, did polling and all kinds of cool stuff. And so, you know, you, you sort of got this, the, you got exposed to the full spectrum of life. Um, and a lot of it was grounded in, in this you know, back then what might now be the, the Gilman Five kind of thing, but senses of integrity and purpose and being respectful of others and being humble in your approach, but, but striving for excellence and, and demanding that of others. And, you know, I, I, I've always believed, uh, because of my Gilman experience, you want to surround yourself with the smartest people you can. Mm-hmm. You want to be on a team where people are really good. You want, it takes up your game. You know, you play tennis uh, and if you play tennis and you play doubles and the people on the other side of the net are really good, guess what? You play better. And right. so Gilman was an environment where there were just so many people that were so talented. And I was like, 
Oof. You know, so you got to work. You know, you got to work harder. You got to figure out, okay, where's my spot? How do I find a, a place to succeed? How do I find something that I'm good at? And uh, gee, even then we had a, you know, just a plethora of opportunities to, to present to the kids. And, you know, whether it's debating or, you know, singing in the glee club, I, you know, gosh, I'm, we're here in, uh, in the back of the auditorium. Um, you know, my English class with Mr. Merrill in eighth grade was, was right here next to us. And uh, he was a glee club director. And gosh, we had fun. <laughs> and I tried to get my kids to sing, and not a one of them does. Uh, not that I was a great singer, but that's great exercise. And yeah. uh, you're an athlete. You, you can't believe the, the uh, aerobic nature of singing. Right, you know, and you after you sing uh, for three hours or something, you're exhausted, you know. <laughs> uh, but singing is a lot of fun, and so there are all kinds of things that Gilman exposed me and others to, which uh, 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 hopefully a lot of those good things have uh, stayed with us for life. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned <clears throat> your senior speeches were a big part of. Was that when they happened during chapel? They'd happen during chapel, and then you know, like I remember, uh, uh, there's an Emerson Lake and Palmer uh, song I think called "Lucky Man." And one guy, Chris Taylor, I think was his name, and he was the president of the class maybe in 72 or something. Somebody will have to check this, but I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he got up, and he just said, um, I just want to have you listen to something. And he sat down, and there was the 20-minute version of, of Lucky Man, which <laughs> is probably the whole side of an album. And it was, it was terrific, and it was powerful. You know, so it was like, ooh, that's different. You know, so he just never knew what was going to happen in chapel and kind of the cool things that you would learn. And so anyway. And, and did you deliver a senior speech? I guess you had to when, when you were yeah, a and, here. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, I, uh, my fifth form term paper was on the Hungarian Revolution. Hmm. And so uh, invariably you might, your speech might have been uh, about that. Gotcha. And, uh, and um, it was, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to work on your public speaking skills and stuff like that. And fortunately for me, I'm, I'm one of those people, good or bad, I can pretty much talk to anybody about anything for about five minutes. I might lose traction after that, but, but I'm usually okay in an extemporaneous fashion. Uh, but senior speech was a, that was certainly a rite of passage. And, uh, and so was the fifth form term paper. I don't know, do we still do that? Is there still a big junior? paper that has to be done sort of perfectly with bibliography and footnotes and you know grammar and everything really being dialed in i think i mean i don't know for sure but i think in mr hudson's class at least i know that they're writing pretty uh pretty serious papers at the end of each semester or quarter or so i think you know it may be not the same exact type of paper that you that you produced but probably like it yeah, it's it's funny here. I'm I'm a little embarrassed about this. This was happens to get to be older, but I, my my, <laughs> I think my sixth form lower paper and speech was on the Louisiana Purchase, hmm. and but I think when I was a senior, it was the Hungarian Revolution. And I, I'm gonna have to go back and check in the in the annals or something. Maybe I can get to the archivist at the school and they can remind me refresh my memory. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I love that you're talking about. Uh, how influential the environment of Gilman is and how many impressive people there are here, whether they're students or teachers or, or other faculty members that you can look up to and uh, try to emulate. 
Um, I really like the quote, iron sharpens iron, meaning if you're just, you know, iron doesn't sharpen wood or iron, iron doesn't sharpen metal, it's iron sharpens iron. So if you're with people who are impressive and, you know, good character people, you're going to be just like that yourself. Yeah, it rubs off. And, and it's, uh, it's always something that I've been, uh, I've, I've been drawn to uh, because of my Gilman experience. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's extraordinary to 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 sort of watch uh brilliance uh in motion you know really talented people do something it doesn't matter what could be on a could be on the tennis court but it could also be uh a surgeon you know where you're watching something on television or it could be watch watching someone manage a crowd or organize a team or get people together behind something and uh you know i think uh people with talents and all of us have talents Right, mm-hmm. so you, observing people's talents, it really uh, there's a lot. You learn a lot from it, and and you become a better person. Now, as a young high school student, how did you kind of find your your avenue and figure out what it was that you were really passionate about or into <laughs> in high school, and and really what led you to to go to Union College after graduating? Well, let's see. So, uh, so I think. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of one of those people that's a joiner, and I've I've I, um, I think I was reasonably ambitious and interested in, in being part of things. And, uh, you know, it was a very, you know, we had a very active class and a lot of things going on and lots of opportunities. And we just all sort of jumped in together, you know. So there was safety in numbers on, on that. Um, uh, and I uh, still to this day, I just have a lot of varied interests. I don't think I'm a you know, I'm I'm generally a you know somebody. I occasionally do the deep dive on things, but but I'm pretty I'm pretty spread out, mm-hmm. and I like that. So I like to people say, "What are you doing in retirement?" Well, I, I can, you know, I can tinker or I can fiddle around or I can, you know, just sort of uh, uh, do different things and and uh, and not get too, you know, worried about whether. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm occupied, you know, I don't have any problem occupying my time <laughs> myself. So my mind kind of wanders around into a lot of different things. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, and I've said this to my kids and I got, you know, I got five kids, five boys. I, I wish I had worked harder. You know, I wish I had worked harder at Gilman. I wish I had worked harder in college. I, I did a lot of things and, and that was good, but I, I could have worked harder. You know, and I always remember there was uh, there, the, the people that figured out how to both have lots of fun but get all their work done. They were the ones that really you want to emulate because you can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I had prioritized a little bit more um, uh, when I was uh, younger in that. Because, um, uh, you know, the world is a, uh, world's a very competitive place. And uh, you've got to figure out a way to, to find your spot, but you've got to work hard. And uh, the sooner you can realize that and sort of get in shape for that, maybe maybe the better off you are. I agree with that. Um, and even you know when I was in college, you know I I and not unlike Gilman, you know I sang in the glee club for a couple of years. I was the president of my fraternity. I played lacrosse. I'm you know doing all this kind of stuff. And I and a lot of those things that I learned from that are life skills today. Um, so they have value. But if you can. If you can do a good job of putting the books in perspective too, and make sure that that gets highlighted and emphasized, you know um, that that would be a win. Um, uh, as for Union, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Downs who was my college counselor back in the day, and he liked Union College, and, and at that time, 
Gilman was sending some kids to Union pretty much every year, and my oldest brother Steve went there, and um, so it was natural that I I applied and I applied to some other places, and you know I'm one of those guys that did not get into Princeton, and uh, no no surprise I'm sure to Princeton, uh, but I I did not have the academic uh, uh, profile and you know. Uh, uh, but but I you know no apologies for that. I mean I, I wish I had worked harder, but I'm not sure that would have made a difference. Um, and uh, it turned out Union was a very good place for me, um, and I had a great experience there and majored in history and uh, you know uh, enjoyed my time and got some lifelong friends and was able to do a number of things in a small college that that offers uh, uh, you know opportunities for kids to find find their way and. And things, um, and so uh, I'm a very proud Union College graduate. And you're a history major. I'm a history major. Yeah. So how'd you decide on history? Well, let's see. Uh, I always liked history a lot. You know, I had wonderful history teachers at, at Gilman, uh, including you know Mercer Neal and Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell taught us U.S. history. Mr. Pine taught taught me modern European. You know, uh, I still hold that out. I got a four on my modern European uh, AP. Maybe it was the U.S. History AP. I think it was Modern European. That was a big deal for me. But uh, Bill Campbell was just a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And, uh, boy, we learned a lot and, and you know, had, had fun with that. And just always interested in history, you know. Um, and so uh, I took a lot of uh, history courses at college and enjoyed that. Uh, and I think, you know, I... You know, there's a lot to be learned uh, by being a student of history. Um, a lot of a lot of things you can apply to your life, and a lot of things you can apply to uh, uh, a healthy analysis of of things you're seeing. Oh boy, that's that's familiar. Right. I wonder if that's like. And and it's not just politics, of course. But there's the history. There's there's economic history. You know, that you can observe and and learn from. There's there's a lot of religious history really interesting. You know, um, so. Uh, history is—it's uh, an important subject. I'm—I'm I'm honored today to be uh, one of the other things I've, I've done in my life. I serve on the board of the Maryland Center for History and Culture, which is the old Maryland Historical Society classmate of mine. Clinton Daly is the board chair today, and—and and, uh, honored to serve with him and be a part of that. But, you know, MCHC has seven million documents in the, in their collection, including the original Star Spangled Banner. Oh wow! You know, kind of neat when you think about things. So you want to understand where we came from, and in Baltimore, you would you want to know that in in the in the middle of the uh, 19th century, Baltimore was the third largest city in the country. Mm. Why? Well, the port would be a big uh, rationale for that, right? So it's really interesting when you think about things. You know, whether it's the first monument to George Washington in Mount Vernon, go look at that beauty sometime. Mm-hmm. You know, I finally walked up. Uh, the, to the top of that, it was always closed and it's been renovated. Good Gilman guy, Henry Hopkins, involved in the renovation of that. And uh, what a beautiful sight you get from the top of that uh, George Washington monument. Uh, hmm. But the first one built in the President's Honor, uh, right here in Baltimore. So there's a lot to, to learn and a lot to uh, take away from history if, uh, if you have the time and the interest. I, um, <clears throat> I'm really into history as well. I think if I if I didn't teach English, I'd like to pick up an American history course because I didn't study history in college, but a lot of the classes that I took were American studies S classes where we looked at his history yep. alongside of English. Yeah. Um, 
But I went to a really cool, I went to Franklin Roosevelt's museum and house this, this summer in Hyde Park, in New Hyde York. In Hyde Park, New York, yep. And sure. that, was, that was really cool to see. Um, There's a lot there. He was buried there as well. He was born and raised there. And I just thought that museum was was pretty well run, um, but, but a cool place to go. And then another place that I've been in the past is Monticello, which blew me away. I thought that was incredible and I'd gladly go there again. What has been like the most fascinating historical site that that you've been to? Wow. Uh, Monuments DC. Yeah, I mean I you know Philadelphia. Uh, you know, um uh I mean I, I don't know I'm not sure where I can begin on that. Not that I've been to so so many, but you know, uh the Vietnam War Memorial is a really powerful uh, place uh, in my mind. Uh, I was younger and not uh, draft age eligible, but boy, that was a that was a tough time uh, for the country. And uh, you know, I was a kid growing up through that. Um, you know, our our national parks are just unbelievable. You mentioned Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know how we thank him enough. Mm-hmm. I wish uh, every president would add to the national park system. It's it's extraordinary going to some of these places. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it could be it can be everything from Fort McHenry to Yellowstone to Glacier, you know, to uh, to Bryce and Zion and and uh, Utah and just and it just goes on and on and on. You know, um, I think uh, uh, you know the Jefferson Memorial and really all the all the great monuments in in dc of course are are spectacular i've never been to the to the statue of liberty i would like to go there mm-hmm. uh sometime um you know i uh, you know it's just uh america's an amazing place you know and when you think about the diversity that 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 the country offers in terms of climate and topography and people and culture and stuff gosh you know, uh, Amtrak ran an ad campaign a number of years ago. It said, see America first, you know, and uh, there, there's a, a lot of cool places to go in this country. And, of course, there are a lot of cool places to go in the world. Hmm. Um, but historical spots, uh, you know, Antietam, you know, bloodiest battle in the Civil War. Yeah. That's a pretty powerful place. Gettysburg, I don't know where to start. You know, I, I wish I, I wish I could take, uh, you know, every year go for a couple of days up there with one of these really talented docents. Mm-hmm. You know, park reserve, park park ranger, docent people, and and really understand what happened there. You know, uh, as the country was fighting itself. Um, so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things to to see. Um, and you know, I uh, I'm, I'm working on my my bucket list on some of those things, whatever they are. So, yeah, great cool. question. Um, so you talked about how in retirement that you have a lot of different hobbies and things that you do and you have no problem keeping yourself busy obviously you're busy as the president of the board but in other areas and um one one of my favorite stories to tell is my grandfather we called him Wiz, and (laughs) when he was retired he would first of all he never really believed in the internet it took him a while to kind of get on board with the internet he always thought like jake i can look the whatever you want up in the encyclopedia is way faster than you could do it on that thing and he finally caved and realized, you know, the internet will pick it up in point zero zero five seconds, you right, know. Right. 
So he, in his retirement, he would sit out in the garage and he would write these wisdom memos to the entire family about one subject. And he was into history. He was into all these different types of, of things. And he put them together into a book. Uh, wow. Which was really cool. And, uh, you know, when you were talking about not being able to or being able to keep yourself busy at all times, I thought about Wiz because he was just he was in paradise out there on his computer or with the Internet. Um, but I'm curious about what types of things in retirement and, and as you're studying on your own that you like to read and, and look into? Well, my, my wife, Santa, would say that, uh, you know, I, I repeat myself too often in my stories, but I do like to share stories. <clears throat> I don't think I'm talented enough to write wisdoms, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I think sometimes probably all of us imagine whether how we could impart knowledge, right, and do it with with respect and, and civility and, and some humility and things like that. Um, uh, so I've often wondered about, about that. And I think what I, uh, you know, I'm one of those people uh, who uh, I really get a kick out of just engaging with others. So y- you will not see me walk down the street with my head down. You know, I'm looking for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that Jake over there? No, it looks like that's not him. You know, or, uh, you know, I will talk to just about anybody, you know, everybody, just to say hi and see what happens. It's extraordinary when you engage people how you can make, brighten up their day. Mm-hmm. Just just give them a little lift by being nice, you know. We used to, I used to work, you know, I worked at T.R. Price for almost 40 years, and one of our guys used to say, why not be nice? Mm-hmm. You know, think about that simple charge. Why not be nice? So there are all these little tidbits that you pick along, wisdoms to think about your grandfather along the way that maybe you pass along, you know, and maybe maybe they get traction, you know. One of the things I've always uh, uh, enjoyed is, is tried to think about how to impact others, younger people generally, but, but anybody in terms of, of maybe a different way of doing things, a different way of solving a problem, a different way of interacting with somebody, a different way of, of providing support, you know, because there's not a one way to do these things. But um, you, it, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really pretty fulfilling when you can try and feel as if you made a difference in somebody's life. And um, I'm always envious of you all as teachers in a, in a school setting because you get to do that every day, right? And, and the, sometimes I, I think the challenge for, for teachers and, you know, just anybody uh, that, that's trying to help people along the way is, you know, you never know, you never know th- what impact you're having. And then all of a sudden somebody will come up to you and say, you know, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. Because of you, I decided to do this, and that led me to this. And I'm not quite sure how to thank you. And I'm sure teachers don't get that enough, but boy, you get it. And that is, if that doesn't drive you to want to continue to thrive in this profession of serving others, of teaching, things like that, I'm not sure what what would. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in my own life in in ways when I hear that somebody said, you know, you told me to do this, that was damn good advice. That, you know, I'm on cloud nine, you know, for a while. That doesn't go right away. I mean, that keeps me going for a while. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating that you don't really realize it a lot of the time, and you're talking about why not be nice. And one of my favorite things that that Henry says all the time in assemblies and to the students is is say hey to each other because it's the most simple 
thing yeah. ever is when you're walking down the hallway, just say hi to someone, right? Yeah. It's it's easy, but uh, you just don't realize, you know, how that might come off to someone and how yeah. that might impact the rest of their day. We were talking to Michael Stanberg, the librarian, who you mentioned you watched a little bit of right. that, that yep. episode. Yep. He talks about how he ran the New York Marathon a couple of times and you know, on the, the hardest part of the marathon, he was wearing his tag with his name on it, on the front. And some random dude is just walking around right. and says, you got this, Michael. <laughs> right. And he needed it the most in that right. split second. Right. And that like allowed him to finish yeah. the last couple of miles. Yeah. And I always think about that as you, you never know. You, if you just say hi to someone, it could just brighten up their entire rest of their week, you know? You know, I was the, uh, I, uh, my, my uh, class leadership, uh, experience sort of uh, concluded after freshman year. I was president of the freshman class, but that was it. Uh, and uh, one of my classmates took over from there and did a great job. But I, I was a, am a proud recipient of the Lewis Omar Woodward Award, which would go to a freshman. And on the back of the award, it says, for leadership, dedication, and enthusiasm to the Gilman School. And uh, and I always treasured that. And, and uh, you know, some aspect of leadership and dedication enthusiasm are easy come easier for me hopefully leadership does too but you know that depends on the day and depends on who you're talking to but uh, um, those are those are things to aspire to I think and uh, be dedicated to something or someone um, principles whatever it might be and and have enthusiasm for it and uh, I think I'm generally uh, one of those people that's long on enthusiasm Mm -hmm. yeah so the the name of this podcast we were talking about a little bit before we started Path to Follow podcast in honor of uh, Mr. Finney and the documentary made about him. Yeah. And I'm curious if there are any stories about Mr. Finney other than you know sitting behind him in chapel and him squeezing your uh, squeezing your leg and saying hi to you. Uh, if yeah. there's anything that you think about when you think about him as kind of an influential leader at the school. Well, I mean, you know, you could just, geez, I don't know how much time we have, right? We could go on and on about Reddy. But, but I, I, I maybe start this way. You know, Reddy was not perfect, and he knew it, and, and he, would, he, he defined humility. I mean, he really did. He was the most humble person ever, and he was bigger than life, and he was big physically, you know. So he would put people up against the wall, <laughs> you know, you step out of line. He would wrestle with guys just for fun, you know, kind of thing, and he loved to mix it up like that and it was intimidating but it was also welcoming you know um but ready you know he he it's not like he never made mistakes but he was so genuine in what he was trying to do and he really just he had a way of relating to everybody everybody it didn't matter what your walk of life was you know ready could connect with you and uh you know i mean i there are all kinds of small things you know but i remember when i graduated i I was not, you know, I didn't get any of the big awards at graduation, but I got a really nice letter from Reddy in my box, mm-hmm. which I still have. And just talking about me and, and, and being supportive of me and, and thanking me and wishing me well kind of stuff. And, you know, that's not one of the things he had to do. And I'm guessing he probably did that with, I don't know, a lot of kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it meant a lot to me. Um, he, uh, you know, later in life... Uh, I got to see him in, in some different roles, and we did some volunteer stuff together. And and uh, you know, I he he just he just always wanted to know how he could help, you know. And and when he was when he was the headmaster and head of school, and when I was here, you know, my class, we 
<clears throat> we did a few things uh, that probably broke a few rules and pushed the envelope a little bit, and uh, Reddy had to deal with us, and he did it. Um, he was tough, but he, it was, uh, you know, we all got through it together. My class was a little disruptive occasionally, as probably all classes, and uh, <laughs> we, uh, we got to see all sides of, of Reddy. Uh, uh, and, you know, he... Um, he had some great mentors, and and uh, and and he's been a great mentor to a lot of people too. Um, and he, he just was uh, he was an extraordinary guy. You know, you um, everybody talks about him picking up trash. I mean, it was just a whirlwind. The guy would just do everything all the time. Um, but what everything he did, it was just really it was so authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he probably defines authenticity. Hmm. Um, in, in his actions, and he would never have asked you to do anything he wouldn't do, and he found a way to treat everybody with such decency, you know, and compassion, and, and that, was, uh, that was a big, you know, that was a, that was a big uh, influence uh, on all of us, I think, to watch him navigate that and to be, I mean, he, you know, he was inclusive before anybody knew what that meant. Right. You know, uh, he was committed to diversity and integrity and and community before anybody really understood what that was. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you'd meet these people that, that he had impacted uh, in their lives and, you know, extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, your class, class of 74, uh, you called it the... The, fam- the famous class of 74. So I'm going to give this up a little bit because maybe <laughs> some of these kids won't have seen this podcast. I don't know how many... You, you probably get thousands of viewers. I don't think I'll get too many. But... Um, uh, I always have fun with kids, and they say, you know, where, where, you know, where are you in school? I'm Gilman. What grade? You know, I'm seventh grade. Have, have you studied the famous class of '74 yet? <laughs> and they look at you, and they're like, well, no, not yet. I say, well, it's probably this spring. You'll get to us, and it's then you just up. you just walk away, you know. And they're wondering, oh man, well, what's that about? You know, who knows? Nothing, of course. But uh, we we uh, class of '74 was a terrific group of guys, and uh, we had a lot of fun together, and. Uh, you know, I've got lifelong friendships uh, mm-hmm. from that, and uh, it means the world to me. Yeah, really does. Um, you know, there's just a there's a camaraderie and a and a bonding that happens, and and you know, uh, boys might be different than girls in this. I really don't know, but I do think um, when you when you have bonded with with somebody, uh, and you know, at Gilman. You might not see them for 25 years, but you can see them. You're right back. Yeah. You know, you haven't missed a beat, and uh, you pick up exactly where you want to be, and and uh, that's pretty darn cool. And uh, we've got that with our class, I think. Not 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 all the time, not everybody, but you know, there's a lot of that spirit. Um, so it's a, uh, it's you know, it 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 provides um, <laughs> it provides great comfort uh, when you're older. I think as you get older. And, you know, you asked about retirement stuff. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's just there's lots of things uh, that that you can that you can get involved in, and I've been involved in a number of different organizations over the years. I I was the, um, the board chair for the Chesapeake Bay Outward Bound School, and our freshman class here at Gilman goes on an Outward Bound program every year, which I'm really proud that that they're doing that, and that Outward Bound is providing that for Gilman boys because I think that can be that's one of those things that can be life-changing, can be impactful for a long time for kids. Uh, so that was an organization I, I spent a lot of time with. Um, uh, you know, I was on the 
WYPR board for a while, the public radio, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, talk about getting out of your comfort zone. What do I know about radio? Nothing, right? No, I mean, a little bit, but what an interesting organization that is, yeah. right? Being a community resource, being a public national public radio affiliate. Now, they're now the number one radio talk show, uh, news radio uh, talk show uh, you know, station in the market. And, uh, and, and the things that you can learn on NPR, extraordinary, right. you yeah. know, different shows, different things. And so I thought that was a great community resource, and I was really interested in, in, in trying to help them in any way I could, and, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing uh, United Way volunteering over the years, a great organization. And when I was at Tiro Price, pretty, pretty involved in industry affairs. And I ran the trading desk there, the equity trading desk, where we would buy and sell securities uh, for our clients. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the equity markets are an amazing, uh, complicated, creative, amorphous you know, a network of, of transactions. And I've always been fascinated by markets and sort of supply and demand and prices. And, you know, why, why does a refrigerator cost that? Mm -hmm. you, know, get, you know, look at a gas station on a corner where there are four gas stations. Generally, the price differential is very small. Right. See a guy across the street and he's the only other one, that price differential is going to be greater. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, how, how people compete in the, in the economy, really fascinating to me. Uh, supply and demand, uh, uh, urgency versus patience. It's just, you know, the dynamics of markets are fascinating. And I, I, people say, you know, do you miss the markets? And I say every darn day, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's in your blood kind of thing. And you really, uh, you really, uh, it's really fascinating because every day is a different day. I'm not sure I miss it so much to these days because the market's been kind of lousy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the economy's going through some things, of course. Uh, but, uh, but that that keeps me uh, that keeps me occupied, and I, you know, I try and read the Baltimore Sun every day, and I read the Wall Street Journal. Hmm. And uh, some listener might think the Wall Street Journal is just some conservative financial newspaper, and it is that, but it's also uh, incredibly well done. Right. And um, you know, their their uh, articles and reporting on sports and politics and art and stuff, you know, vibrant. Um, really fascinating stuff, and so I—that's that, to me—that's a good source of news. And I know, you know, you can get it online, and a lot of different things you can do. But there's a, you know, there's there's a benefit to actually reading the, the paper and turning the page. For me, I agree with uh, that. And you know, I, yeah. I find that more stimulating than just scrolling. Yeah. Whether it's on my phone or my laptop. You know? Well, you get en you get enough of that, I think, during the day. It's a nice <laughs> probably, break too. You probably do. Yeah. Uh, for someone who's interested in a career in finance, and you, you obviously have so much background and experience in this, what is that environment? What was an environment like at a place like T. Rowe Price, and what kind of person uh, or, or characteristics in a person does that attract? Like fast-paced and yeah. Know. So good question. So the you know the investment business is a broad business, right? And so there are lots of different skill sets and lots of different personalities that can be successful in that business because there are a lot of different jobs. So a trading desk is high pay. It's fast paced. Some pressure. Um, you know, uh, uh, multitasking is really important. Focus is really important. Precision is important. Uh, effective communication is important. 
um, integrity and ethics. You know, you get a reputation, and if somebody is lying, cheating, stealing, you know, you're out. Okay, you can't work in a place like T. Rowe Price. I mean, it just, you know, can't be, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you got to be very careful about how you present things and, and how you do things. Um, and that's true for all companies, I, I hope, right? Um, but then there's also, you know, you could be a research analyst at a, an investment firm where you're doing a deep dive on a company and you're looking at, you know, the prospects for Amazon going forward. Can they continue their growth? Can, I, can Apple continue to roll out new products? Um, is, is Uber, is Uber going to be profitable? You know, whatever it might be. Um, so there are a lot of different jobs in the investment uh, side. Um, I think the trading uh, desk was a perfect environment for me. Um, I'm a pretty high-energy guy, and I can bounce around. <laughs> I don't think I'm ADD, but, you know, I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, I can move around pretty effectively most of the time and, and multitask. Um, I loved the pace. I loved the challenge of trying to understand what was causing things to happen. Uh, often there isn't an answer on that, but the, the quest for that to try and understand what, you know, what the supply-demand relationship looks like. That, I mean, you know, analytical skills and sort of like that were, were, really, uh, were really fun to employ. And, you know, I'm one of those kids that when I would be at the checkout counter, I'd try and add it up before the cash register did. You know, that's my, the extent of my math skills, but, but I was relatively quick in some things like that. I'm sure there are some downside to my character too that maybe maybe not as good as I hoped I would be in in my job uh, every day but but just a wonderful opportunity to uh, to be in that fast-paced environment and you know uh, uh, you know it's it's a great thing when you can work for a world-class company and be really proud of what your effort is and what your what your your you know your goals are and what the product is you deliver what to the french would say your your raison d'etre your reason for being you mm-hmm. know what are you doing every day why why is what you're doing making the world a better place and you know arguably helping people with their retirement uh, assets and saving money for their children and grandchildren and doing things they want to do that's a pretty worthy goal yeah you know? um so i really uh, uh having interests aligned like that were important to me um you know if if you if you don't have a good product to sell, it's tough to sell it. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, and 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 also I will tell you as a, a recurring theme, but being surrounded by just the best and brightest. Gosh, we had the talented people that I worked with, and it was just it was a marvel to watch uh, sort of smart decisions being made. And in hindsight, they look so easy. You know, at the time, it's like, wow, how'd they come up with that? Yeah. And this person decided to do that. Boy, wasn't that brilliant! So I had a, I had a, you know, I had a front row seat to uh, to a pretty uh, engaging uh, investment uh, uh, program and 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 markets, right? And so if you think about, it, if anybody wants to look, but go back and sort of see chart the chart the Dow or the S and P starting in 1980, July 14th, which is when I started in the business until you know 2020, you know, or 2019 in my case, you know, pretty interesting. Period. You know, big bull markets with some with some gut checks, but by and large, very favorable to investing. And of course, that makes it fun, and because you you know you want to be successful. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. <clears throat> We've been talking a lot about history and a little bit about your career at T. Rowe Price, and I think for a student at Gilman or someone in in college looking to get into that uh, line of work, uh, the fact that you studied 
liberal arts in, in college and, and wound up in a career in finance is interesting because I'm passionate about liberal arts and English and history. And I think there is a way to be able to study something like, like history or English and, and still pursue different career opportunities. Yeah. So it really speaks, Jake, to the, again, to the spectrum of opportunities of employment at a, in a place in finance or, or business or, you know, banking or whatever it is. So, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to, uh, be able to identify the flaws in a balance sheet. That's somebody else. But I might be the guy that can help figure out how best to buy General Electric stock today, you know, or something like that. So they're different, you know, you have different roles and you know your strengths, hopefully, and you appreciate your weaknesses. And uh, something I was taught to me a long time ago is, you know, you let people run on the things they do well and you support them in the things that they don't. And uh, you know, good employers, good schools, good good entities, good communities—they they try and figure out how to provide that. You know, let somebody really go crazy with the things they're good at, and help them with the things that maybe they're they're not. So, um, but you know, uh, there are parts of the business uh, of any business that might fit my my character strengths and yours. You know, and so, uh, you know, I can I can talk to pretty much anybody, and I can engage and. Um, um, passionate and hoped um, I was thorough and respectful and careful and you know told the truth and 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 uh, you know there's a, a traders uh, organization I belonged to for a long time the, the motto was ma'am dictum pactum which mm-hmm. is my word is my bond so in a verbally transactional world you know you had to if you say you're going to buy something you got to buy it right. now that's not necessarily the world that we're in today because the business has changed and so much of it is done electronically and it's hard to it's hard to say I didn't really mean to do that when you sent somebody uh, an order to buy something you can't say well I, that was kind of a mistake well how did you do that because yeah. it's electronic you know so it doesn't mean you can't push the wrong side and, and send us buy when it should have been a sell but um, anyway it's uh, the business has evolved um, but where you know if, if you have if you have good interpersonal skills you know, every business needs that, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it just, you know, so, so the numbers people and the, and the, 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 um, engineering, if you will, the real science and the STEM stuff that applies now to pretty much any business, that's incredibly important, but it's not the entirety of the business, right? So there's still, you still need people with good communication skills. You know, people need to learn, you need, you need people with good writing skills, effective writing skills, um, you know, yeah. negotiating skills. You know, ne- negotiating is a lot of fun. You know, when you think about it, it uh, some people describe a successful negotiation as people being mutually dissatisfied. You know, that's kind of an interesting principle. Everybody's kind of a little bummed out. Everybody <laughs> didn't really get what they want. Maybe that's, that's a very good outcome. Hmm. And that's not just in trading, but that could be in, you know, in, in buying a house or in uh, negotiating a settlement somehow or figuring out how to, how to uh, you know, settle a, uh, a difference, you know, that you're having with somebody. It's interesting you bring up uh, writing because I'm trying to teach some, some grammar tips to my students and make sure that their writing is cl- clear and strong this year. And, you know, I just feel like in COVID, they missed out on a lot of grammar and, and writing help, yeah. and I want to focus on that this year in my classes. And I have a friend who works in finance, and he gave me a call in the middle of the day the other day. And I was, you know, I was teaching a class, and my phone's lighting up. And he, I didn't talk to him until later. And he was like, I was writing an email to someone. You know, I'm, writing, I'm trying to sell financial software, and I didn't know what what to 
how to phrase the sentence. And right, right. I was telling my class, it's like, no matter what you guys do in the future, you're probably not going to be an English teacher or you might, but you're probably going to work in sales or marketing or finance or law. And you still have to know how to write in yeah. all of those yeah. careers. Yeah. So I think that, uh, I think that's a hundred percent right. Uh, accurate. Um, and I would hope, uh, I might suggest to Gilman boys today that, that they, make sure that they pay attention in English and learn how to write and learn how to speak effectively and learn how to argue or present, you know, or, or influence. You know, there's this concept of, of uh, controlling the T in squash, and I'm not a great squash player, but, but one of my Gilman graduate sons played and the T is the center of the court, if you will, sort of back on the back line where, you know, where you serve from. And the, and the person who controls that space really has the best opportunity to get to a ball anywhere on the court. And so if you control the T, you kind of control the flow. You kind of control the, the pace of the game. And if you apply that concept, uh, that analogy to life, you know, if you can speak effectively, if you can write, if you can persuade, if you can argue, if you can, uh, you know, extemporaneously present, you know, then you have presence. And maybe the maybe your goals uh, get adopted. <laughs> maybe you get the benefit of of having influenced things in a way that you think is best. Um, and I sure hope that Gilman boys are going after that because um, that that uh, you know that doesn't. That doesn't go away. And as an older person, one of the things that you kind of uh, are sad about is, you know, this device, as great as empowering as it is, you know, it's not face to face. And a text message comes with with little body language. <laughs> yep. Now, I'm a body language guy, right? You're going to pretty much know what I'm, how I'm feeling about things. I try and control that sometimes when you have to be down the middle. But but it's important to be able to express yourself sincerely and. Uh, and, and that, that skill set, I don't care what's happening in the world, that's never going to completely disappear. agree with that 100%. I love that. Um, so, Mr. Brooks, one more question. I think we, we are getting to the end here. Um, usually I ask my – we ask our guests on the podcast if they had ever had a book that they read over the course of their life. Maybe it was at Gilman. Maybe it was in college. Maybe it was recently. Something that you've read – that has impacted you in a certain way that you know is for the good and you'd recommend to our viewers and listeners well i i i uh you know i as part of my gilman experience i i really enjoyed reading cast uh by isabel wilkerson and she she spoke to the school last last year via zoom really interesting uh book uh and and a, and a, an important book to to read today uh when you think about the divisiveness in our society and how we're trying to think through being better to each other. Uh, so I, I would commend that to your reading as a, as I've heard others uh, use that expression, commend to your reading. Um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, two, <laughs> two books I guess I remember reading it and it seemed to me that, it, uh, well, um, so I'll go three and I'm not that, <clears throat> I'm not this great reader, I'm an okay reader, but the World is Flat by Tom Friedman is an unbelievable book. Mm -hmm. From Beirut to Jerusalem by Tom Friedman is an unbelievable book. 
Um, there is a book written by a distant cousin of mine called Witness to History, a guy named Charles E. Bolin, who was a, a diplomat. He was an ambassador to France and Russia, and it's about his experience in the going into the diplomatic corps in the 30s and World War II, and he was in Russia with Stalin, and he was in France with Charles de Gaulle. So that was impactful for a young guy thinking about history and life. Uh, and then there was a book that scared me to death, what my mother gave me, and I know that's why she gave it to me. It was called 1L, which is about a, a guy's first year at Harvard Law School and, uh, and just the challenges that he was facing. And I think I read that when I was a senior in college. And needless to say, I didn't apply to law school. <laughs> but, but a pretty interesting uh, uh, book. Um, uh, and, I, yeah, you know, um, Mr. Woodward, uh, my old English teacher, would want me to to suggest everybody, to recommend everybody to read the Nick Adams stories mm -hmm. from Ernest Hemingway, which are world class. Love it. So that's a that's a that's a uh, that's Perfect. a broad brush for I'm responding to an English teacher. Yeah, love it. That's great. Well, uh, Mr. Brooks, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate all your time. I appreciate everything you're you're doing at Gilman and uh, for Gilman. So thank you for coming in, Chesra. Thank you for for helping out. And well, thank it's you both. Conversation. It's been an honor to be here. Appreciate uh, you inviting me and uh, best of luck to you guys and, uh, you know, see how it goes. Maybe I'll come back in a couple of years and we'll revisit. Okay. Definitely. Terrific. Love it. Thanks thank very you. much. You bet.